Eat up with tax, don't know what to do. The Bryson's are here for you. We know every tip and trick. The serious tax talk with the Louisiana Twist. Welcome back, everyone. We're here for today's episode of Talking Tax. It's Carrie and Angie Bryson again. And today we have a very interesting topic, I believe. Well, interesting for us, but maybe not for everyone. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I interesting. Think that's Pro an overstatement. That may be the wrong word, but we actually are going to get into solving cases. Right. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of an important fact, what needs to, what you need to know and understand right. when trying to resolve your IRS tax liability with the IRS. So if you have a tax problem. This is probably yes, pretty interesting. It's one, I think it's one that on its face is very misunderstood by people that don't understand how to use it appropriately. And it's an area I don't want to say, but I'll say the IRS takes advantage of people in this regard because they don't really know how to work the, work the numbers and on their face, I think it's somewhat misleading. Yeah. And I think this is an area where the IRS really takes advantage of people. So what we're talking about is the, I, is the, payers ability to pay. And there's two real big factors that the IRS is going to determine while resolving your case. And one is ability to pay and the other is collection potential. So today we're just going to focus right. on ability to pay. Right. So uh, I guess we'll start. I just want you look like you're ready to tell everybody what ability to pay is all about. <laughs> I am. Yes. You look like it. <laughs> well, I mean, ability to pay, at sort of my talking point with clients is usually it's a snapshot in time, real time, uh, of your, your cash flow, basically. Your income less your allowable expenses. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. What would be left over at the end of the month or the end of a given time period to fund your IRS tax bill? So that's sort of my talking point with clients whenever we're, we're seeing that. So you mentioned two things and I guess we'll break it down right. since we're getting in the nitty gritty here. Right. Let's break it down. Right. In general, it's your income and your expenses. I mean, this, that's, you know, what, what we're talking about, but income, uh, I think we need to understand what income is and expenses. So income, since that's the easier one, I'll take that one. Oh, that's everything you make and everything you earn, you know, your wages meaning kind of dividends, royalties, interest, anything that goes on income on your tax return is going to be considered income. Passive income too, yes. not just, yeah. Yes. Right. Oil royalties. Uh, any money you earn is going to be considered income and it's broken down into a monthly, a monthly matter. So it's, it, yeah, it's factored monthly and the purposes for ability to pay, they determine your monthly income that's derived from, from all sources. And then the next step is to determine, and I guess I should say too, and people, because it, it gets a little confusing on the income, we need to mention it's, it's also social security. People think, well, my social security is not, but it is your income. And for purposes of the ability to pay your entire social security amount will be taken into consideration and be added as income. Right. It's your gross uh, income. Yeah. It's the it gross income. Added. It's everything that you have to spend on yourself and your family for the month. So social security, any other pension, 
wages, royalties, gambling, winning, yes, whatever. Anything, and, anything, anything that you receive as income wage wise. Is, you want to say so it's, I'm going to say income. one more time. It's income. <laughs> one of the, the big triggers here is calculating your income. So this is where the IRS takes advantage of people essentially not knowing what their, the definition of what their income is. So if I'm self-employed, my income could be seasonal. It can vary. I may make a lot of, I may have made a lot of money last year, but I'm not making a lot of money this year or, you know, flip the script. It could be, I'm making a lot now and I didn't make a lot last year. And so it's important when you're calculating income and you're not a wage earner making the same amount of money every single month that you understand that there is some artistry and there are some arguments to be made when you're presenting your income to the IRS. So if I'm up for example, we have a client who's in the lawn business. Their work is seasonal. They work a lot during the summer, make a bunch of money, you know, mid-year, and then everything kind of dies down. Crawfish farmers, we have a couple of Crawfish clients. So, crawfish former client. Crawfish, whatever. Yeah, yeah that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have clients who are crawfish. Yeah, okay. Let's be clear. So, it's be careful if you're calculating your income for purposes of determining your ability to pay that you understand and that you have some artistry in how you present that number to the IRS. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good point. I didn't and, mean to and jump in. You're right. No, yeah. I was being general again, and I told him we were going to get in the nitty gritty. We probably do. So, right. yeah. so let's let's dive down. So you, you, there is another step, though, uh, or another point. I think we should make it this too, because we're talking about small business, you know, being self-employed, which a lot of these clients, but even wage earners. You know, I've had several cases where, oh, as a wage earner, but he worked a lot of overtime. Right. In the last month. That's and a one-time deal. The IRS looks at that, one, that last paycheck and they see that, oh, well, then they take all that income. That's the only time they work overtime in the whole for the last three months. And so what do you do in those cases? And, uh, and that's, I think, another case where people get taken advantage of because mm -hmm. the IRS just uses last paycheck and the people, it's a once, you know, it's right at Christmas and they're working a bunch of overtime or something like right. that. Right. So, so what do they do? How do they handle that? Well, when you calculate the income, you have to look at all of the different scenarios for a given client that are within the acceptable lanes for the IRS, right? So, I mean, when we do it, we have a creative approach. As long as it's within the bounds, like I said, we'll calculate income based on multiple different scenarios. And whatever is the best picture for the client is what we come up with. Custom crafting is important for what we do. It, there's no cookie cutter solution. So you're for, for 33, I'll, you know, we're married, obviously we have the same, might look different than somebody else in the same situation because your facts and your circumstances dictate that that's a better presentation for, for you, for us to present on, on your behalf. Yeah. So income, since you use me as an example. Income would be a point that should be made here. If you're husband and wife, then it's going to be both, both spouses' right. income. Right. And what if one of my children works and lives at home? Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean, all they income. They contribute to the household. It's uh, all household. income in the household is supposed to be considered. As right. Long as they're but contributing I mean, to the typically household. they're not at looking for. A, yeah. I don't a, have any kids or any kids. children who are contributing to the household. I can tell you that. 
there's a lot there's a lot being there's a lot being taken out but not a lot coming in so that's a story for another day we'll leave that no no but you're right like even boyfriends or girlfriends you know or roommates if if the irs becomes aware that you have anybody assisting you in your household with bills and whatnot and that becomes a factor in the income portion of and boy, that's a big one too. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a big one. When, uh, when the, someone, you have know, roommates or something and people are living together and I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not giving you and it, you know, and the IRS is, is if they're contributing to your household that you're living in and are reducing your expenses by contributing the money, then the IRS is. In, well, we need to have a conversation about that. Yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're going to be asking. Given, it's not yes. an install be all, but it can be a factor in our analysis. Yes. In the analysis. Yeah. Okay. Right. I think we've covered income pretty good. You want to move on to expenses or we still got more to go? No, the only other, yes, actually I have one, uh, one thought. So there's usually, I mean, pretty much always the IRS will, if you give an income number to the IRS, so let's just say I'm making $2,000 a month. They will audit that number. Well, they request bank statements and documented documentation to prove your amount that you're claiming on this form, uh-huh. you know, but they'll also audit that with your last tax returns. So if I say I'm making, you know, $24,000 a year, $2,000 a month, they're going to go look at my prior year tax returns and audit that with my bank statements. All right. So, you know, if those don't match, it's not necessarily that it gets kicked out or it's not wrong you just have to explain that and that's important to, to consider that you know i guess my point being is there's some legwork on the irs side that they do to audit and verify what we what you're sending and your what numbers you're using yeah it's not taking it face yeah no it's not taking it face and time. accuracy yes. is important so you mentioned and i guess we should say since we're trying to be particular here you mentioned a form and we maybe glossed over that. I know in the materials that'll be on online, we have a snapshot of the right of the form that's right. actually that's used, yeah. but we didn't really talk about it. So the form is a 433 for individuals. It's a yeah. collection information statement. And the IRS basically is going to require that in every case. Uh, and that's really a financial statement. It's in, in the section that we're referring to is the monthly household income and expense uh, section. If you ever, ever have to complete one, you'll know what we're talking about. It's right. going to ask for all this income that, that we're, that we discussed. So right. that would be what's included on your form. And as Angie referred to, we use in our practice, we work it, you know, three, four, five different ways, right. average six months, average three months, average the last three, three years, project, whatever. Project. try to figure, yeah, mm-hmm. make it, you know, and, and come up with the, with the best number that we can get for the client. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that someone do that. I mean, don't just get locked in on one. I made this month and, and, and I'm locked here. in, I mean, and you're but, done, and that's but, all you can do. You know, you get get a little creative and try to try to get that number. You know, the I mean, without getting a lot. I mean, the simplest thing is the lower the number, the the less ability to pay you're going to have. So the lower right. income number you got, the the want to. You definitely don't want it exaggerated, right? Because if you do, you're going to end up in a bad deal. I'm glad you said that because oftentimes it's clients and even practitioners confuse this part of our work, what we do with with how much they owe, the taxpayer particularly owes. So 
your ability to pay, which is your income, we're still on the income factor, but your income minus your expenses is your ability to pay. What's left at the end of the month? How are you going to fund this payment plan or whatever you're going to propose? It might be zero, right? A lot of practitioners and taxpayers confuse that with how much they owe. So your ability to pay is your ability to pay regardless of whether you owe a million dollars or a thousand dollars. And so what, that's just, this analysis is totally independent from how much you owe and what your tax return, your tax bill is on your tax return. Now the numbers, you know, the income and all the other numbers, the factors you use to get there are married in the sense that they audit and they reconcile them. But it's important to know that your ability to pay is not a factor of how much you owe yeah. the IRS. Yeah. Right. So let's go ahead and cover the expenses section because that's a little bit more granular than income, actually, and it's a little bit harder to do. Well, I, I think find. people miss opportunities on the income side, so I, yes. I can't emphasize that enough. It's and okay the, to be creative and honest with what you're, you're going to make in the future. So, so, so when they calculate expenses, uh, it's pretty much everything you need to, you know, every it's all the expenses you live. I mean, you need to live, and the form will go through and Basically. food, clothing, housing. It, it there's a long list. Vehicle, clothing, shelter, right? Yeah. yeah. Health insurance premiums, you know, even child support payments or court ordered payments that you have to do. Right. Life insurance premiums, you know, your monthly taxes. And, and man, how many people that we see do this forget to include their monthly taxes? Right. And that's so important because if you don't put your monthly taxes, the IRS is not going to put it for you. And then you're going to end up getting a deal where you can't afford to pay your monthly taxes as you go. And then you're right back into the problem. Well, that's the problem. We, how often have we seen it? Yes. Clients call up the IRS off, you know, hoping to get some resolution. The first thing that IRS person does is start to start to take this financial statement over the phone. Right. Absolutely. Right. First I mean, and they don't even know what's happening. They just start giving out information and guessing over the numbers and, and they end up in a payment plan, which is typical that they can't afford. Right. So yeah, I mean, back to the expenses, but yeah, it's in the, the show notes, but I mean, yeah, food, housing, utilities. And, and it's, that's taken straight payments. off the form. I mean, oh, the, yeah. The form, the, the 433 that we're talking about, I mean, those expenses, you know, those aren't made up. Those are straight off of the 433. Right. But if they're they, not in this list, they're not factored in the formula. Right. Unless, unless you, you can do the other. Make a request. And, and, you, and you know how to justify doing you know, another right. uh, expense, which right. is not easy. Right. Um, they, and it's not that we always get other expenses included. Well, I mean, I would well, it say depends. it's, it's I mean, very you difficult. May have a, a you got to have a legitimate. Right. You may have a state tax bill that you're funding that you can add, you know, you yes. can put on and, there. You know, or, but, but the same, I would point out though, too, the same thing applies with income as with expenses. You know, don't, don't just look at the last month and go the last month. I mean, right. Let's look back over, you know, six months, three months, last year. Let's try to average and see which ones are, in this case, higher. Mm -hmm. You want the most expenses, lowest income, most expenses gives you the lowest ability to pay. And that's what you want. You want a true, low, non-exaggerated ability to pay uh, number that's going to be used to determine your resolution option with the IRS. Uh, so you really know how to, you know, just like the income, you know how to work the expense side as well. So look at it and average it over six months, just like you were talking about with income. I would do the same with expenses, do that same thing. Yeah. So, so the only difference here though, maybe I'll get you to explain it is, you know, with expenses, we have, you know, these collection standards, you know, what are those? And 
you know, it's not, you know, in income, it's just my income. It is a number. But in the, but in the, in the expense section, the IRS has determined what's allowed expenses, you know, and in infinite wisdom, they know how much it takes for us to live in, you know, either locally or nationally, depending on the expense. Right. So, yeah, why don't you explain that? Kind of go through that. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's not expenses. It's not your raw expenses person by person by person. Income is, right? Yeah. But expenses are based on what the IRS deems allowable. And I think that's the big the keyword. The trigger is allowable. Now, again, it's back to what they deemed allowable. So there are some ceilings for, you know, different housing, your housing and utilities. So you, if you for example, you can't have a $5,000, I'm just picking a random, a $5,000 house note. They're only going to allow what's allowed at that given and they do change the housing expense there's a, a limit on there the car expenses there's a limit on and if you put those raw numbers on your form and you get to your ability to pay and calculate it to be zero for example they're going to deviate they're going to go back and add or subtract from your expenses so it's going to change that right. number they're, they're going to stick to the standard that you're saying right. unless a higher number than the standard is you can you can you but can. It, i mean it rarely rarely am i successful in that, but you can't be. Well, I like mean, right there now, are we're, situations. Asking, we're asking for a deviation on the on the car expenses in our cases because of the price well, of gas. Price of gas. The- so if you're someone who has to drive for work and you, you know, the your mileage reimbursement rate is not matching what right. what your cost, your it's actual costing cost you more is, to drive you know, than- we are asking, the, and the IRS is not keeping up with these adjustments, right? They're not adjusting them every month based on the price of gas. I mean, that would be they don't move that yeah. quickly. So that's so, a damn. So like an example, the collection, I'm, I'm reading on the, the, the show notes here. For the, for food, clothing, and miscellaneous mm-hmm. items, it's $785 for one person. Right. It's fourteen ten for two, sixteen ten for three. So it was really get a big drop there mm-hmm. as the larger family. Not a factor of one to yeah. one to one. The right. nineteen hundred for four. Right. And then each additional person after that is three hundred forty-four dollars. Right. So it goes on. So it depends how many people live in the house. And this standard, though, you know, what's neat about this one, good thing about it is you really don't have to prove it. You kind of just get to claim it. Yeah, it's just uh, a lot of I mean they you know don't, don't have to go give spend. a bunch of documents. I mean, they right. kind of allow this. So if you're going to go over, you better have the documents to support it and then ask for the deviation. But this is something that I see a lot of people make mistakes in because they don't real they're not in considering, like I have people that come in and say, oh, my one person household, it was $400. That's what I spent on food. I lived, and I'm like, well, wait, what about your clothes? And what about your other, mis- did you buy, you know, right. shaving cream? It, right. well, yeah, yeah, that's food. And they misunderstand. So they will actually go lower than the standard. Mm-hmm. And if you go lower than the standard, the, the IRS is going to stake the lower number. They're not going to give the standard. Right. So in no case should you have a 433 that has a number lower standard item on. Well, I would say um, that most of the most time, of the items. You, I've never had a situation where I asked the client, once I asked the client, okay, are you sure? And it was understood. It, it was all, it's always yes. more than. Yeah, these than numbers this. are not that, it's not. Yeah. I know what it costs for a lot of people because right. we've done this a lot. And yeah, it's, it is so rare. I've never had a situation where someone goes under, didn't right. meet the standard. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. So let's talk about, we talked about, so the standards, so there's standards 
Just and those are in here, what they are, yes. like the number. The but they're standards for each expense, right? For the most part, right? They, they're bare. Some are national, some are local. Local, and then you have to you look up the chart is on IRS or county. It's, it's yeah. irs.gov. Right. You can see the chart. You can see the expenses. Yep. You just type and you in just allowable look, expenses. Yeah. You and look them up, and it and that should tell you for your situation whether you're a family of four, you buy you single, whatever. But you should be able to complete the form with the standards and get that. You know, what about healthcare? You know, that's another one where I see people, uh, they, for whatever reason, they just put zero. I don't spend anything on healthcare. Everybody spends stuff on healthcare. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's. Well, you get your teeth cleaned, hopefully, you know, yeah, you get checked just, up, you go to the walk-in clinic, you. Right, you buy vitamins, kids, you buy this. Yeah, there's eyeglasses. Eyeglasses, uh, yeah, there's so much. Aid, you know, um, and, and the standard is $75 per month. Right. You know, and, and um, if you're over 65, it's a, it's a, it's a hundred, $153 a month. So. Those are expenses, and this is a nationwide expense. Yeah. So you don't have to look it up, the national one. Right. And this is another expense, like we talked about, that doesn't really have to be substantiated. I mean, the IRS knows that your people are spending it. Yeah, but, but once look again, how low that is. But what, right, look how I low mean, it. come on. Once again, if you yeah. put zero, though, guess what? The IRS is going to put zero. They're not going to go fill it in for you. Right. So, you know, I would encourage anyone completing a 433 to at least go look at the standards and understand them and, and use that as your framework, as the numbers that you're coming yeah, up I'm, with. I'm thinking of a situation where someone put their current healthcare and out-of-pocket medical costs on their form, but in the process of actually our representation, one of the spouses was diagnosed with cancer. So we had a number on the form that was became inaccurate. Before we were, we had to rework the form again, because mm -hmm. guess what? This person was going to have anticipated, you know, chemo and Medical, all this yes. other healthcare. So we had to go in and, and project what the cost of those, of that healthcare was going to be, or the treatments and whatnot was going to be. And, and basically just tell the IRS, like, this is what we think it's going to be. And it, it, it made their ability to pay zero once we, once we got that, that done. So. That's an example of where, you know, you've really got to be projecting what's not what just what happened in the past, but what is going to happen in the near future for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's how the financial standards work. You know, we could go with a vehicle if you want, but I mean, it's, they're all posted on the IRS.gov. There is a national standard, uh, you know, and then there's a, the, the, the regional standard for operating costs, but a national standard for for the purchasing or, or, or for the payments, I guess. Right. For the payments that are allowed. Well, I think it's, it's two two vehicles per household too. I think that's important to mention. Even, even not for a single household, they only get one. Correct. But if it's more than one person in the household, it's two. Right. Yeah. Right. That's and a single is 588 right. per payment. And so, and, and, you know, we often tell people, you know, that need a new car, they come in, they want to solve their problems and need a car. Like go buy a car, but don't spend over five eighty eight. You you need to go buy a car because if if we don't have a car payment and we put zero on the form, they're going to take it as zero, and then next year you're going to need a new car and you're not going to be able to afford it because you're going to be paying the IRS right. the money that you need to be using the car. So we got to you got to work your numbers and get them right, yep. you know, and get your it's get your strategy. situation right, right before you go to the IRS. And some people don't want a new car. They're no, not. They're, they would rather pay their the IRS because that's what it, it typically washes. You're either going to pay your car note, which is allowed, or you're, you're within that if, that ceiling, or you're going to pay, 
your payment plan to the IRS yeah, well, or whatever we, that's, we, that's, we land. And that was the point I was going to make right. before we left. I remembered. I don't, I don't know if we were clear, and I want to be clear about this, about the, the ability to pay. Because in, if your resolution option is installment agreement, just a, not, not a, not, you know, just a simple install agreement, not a streamline or anything like this. Right. Where it's a financial agreement, based one. Right. A right. financial based installment agreement. It's not on any of the programs or any fresh start or any of that stuff. It's mm -hmm. just a basic, which is the majority of cases that we deal with anyway. Your ability to pay is the, ends up being the amount of your installment agreement with the IRS. Right. So if, if you end up having a exaggerated ability to pay, then your payment to the IRS is going to be exaggerated. Well, it's it's something be, you can't afford. It's going to be very painful. Right. If you work it correctly and get it right, you get a good number that you should be able to afford with your expenses, then you get a decent number and you, gotta, you get an installment agreement that you can live with. So it's, right. this stuff is very important. Um, when the first thing they do is start doing the 433 when somebody calls needing assistance. It's so unfair. They start, right. It's so unfair because they, the people the taxpayers aren't realizing that that's the numbers that are going to be used to determine their payment. Right. These payments, you know, on these installments aren't just picked out of the air. Right. And they're not well, just they made up. Be. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's based on this financial information and they should know, and the IRS is not allowed to make you pay more than your ability to pay. Well, the, you know, without, I mean, there are exceptions of course, but for the yeah. most part, the IRS is not going to force you to pay more than your ability to pay. You know, but they also are not allowed to accept less than your ability to pay, you know, without getting some kind of approval and, and a lot of other things. So, I mean, the basic general rule is your ability to pay is going to equal your payment. That's, that's how you ought to approach it, unless you really know how to deal with the IRS and you deal with it before and you know how to deviate off of that. But for the most well, part, that's, that's going to be the rule. That's where it's going to end up. Right. I mean, the hard, the really hard cases for us, and I think you can attest to this, are when the ability to pay based on just the allowables, not factoring in other expenses, like you don't get to put that in the formula, so they're not allowed, mm -hmm. but they're real expenses. Um, when those are not allowed and the ability to pay comes in too high. Well, that the, the classic one technically is, is not private, affordable. private school tuition. Our college tuition. Yeah, college tuition, which, right. you know, a lot of people are, you know, pay and, and want to pay, but those are not allowed uh, expenses in the IRS's wisdom uh, world. So, you know, your those ability to pay, your ability paper. to pay is going to be a lot higher than what you're going to show on a 430 because you're not allowed to include those expenses for the most part. And those are very difficult cases. And re those require a lot of, a lot of conversations with, with clients on how to, yes. how to get them to a place they can, can, uh, yes. can and, afford and, the, and, the payment plan. Yeah. And we should also add too, you know, we, we talked a lot about installment agreements, but you know, in other resolution options, everything. the offer, this is going to apply to everyone, everything. you know, the settlement, the offer and compromise, which I think we've talked about already, maybe in an earlier podcast, yeah. not, we'll talk, I'm sure Not it'll come up because we do it because the offer and compromise, you know, the trick to getting a good offer is not having an ability to pay Our all goes low. back to the same form, right? Same 433, which is going to be required in every case. If you have a hardship, if you want to convince the IRS, your hardship, which is, which they call cur currently not collectible status. You better not have an ability to pay. You better be able to convince them that you do not have an ability to pay, that you are in a hardship. Right. 
or you're not going to get it. So, right. so the 433, you know, it's not just limited. I wanted to make that point. It's no, not just limited point. to the installment agreement. It applies to every resolution option. That's why. Is that's why when you make that phone call and they finally answer, and it's, it takes a long time to get an answer. But let's just say they finally answer. They're immediately going to start asking you about income and expenses. And they're completing on their end, they're completing a 433 based on what you tell them. Right. Then they're going to have you fax pay stubs and check stubs. They're not going to be trying to average and do anything no. that you need to be doing, what's in your best interest. They're going to be doing what's in their best interest. Government's and they're going to be trying to get that number, your bill to pay as high as they can. Yeah, so that's a great point. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I call this, this, the beginning of this financial statement, the linchpin of the case. Because yes. it's done in every case, based regardless of what your, your resolution plan yeah. is going to well, be. Well, frankly, you know, from our perspective or from anybody's perspective, you can't really know what's in the best interest of a taxpayer until you complete this. See this picture. And you complete this. I mean, this, that's, that's what I was, when I started out with it. We're kind of getting the nitty gritty here because this is every case. This is what we do, you know, and you, we know how to, you know, this is where you work the magic on solving these cases is with these 433s. If, if somebody does a bad job, 433, they're going to get a bad deal. It's just the way it works. And if you do a great job on the 433, then you get a pretty decent deal. Yeah. And that's just how it is. So it's, it is that important. Else, or we need to cover. I think we kind of covered this. Yeah, just be careful. Make sure you, it's accurate. The other thing is, it, it, you do have to sign this. You know, the the end product. Oh, There's yeah. some other components uh, to it, oh, so it's kind of an important point. Too. Important. Yeah. It is subject uh, to purge. It you yes. you once you've nailed down this this document, if it gets submitted to the IRS, the taxpayer, not us, and nobody in our firm can sign on your behalf this document. It, you sign it under penalty of perjury. And we have yeah. had some clients, not under our watch essentially, but where the government's questioned the, the accuracy of that, of their, their information. Yeah. And when you do that, that will, the IRS will, will refer to the criminal division. Right. And that's a whole new ball. Your liberties, it's not a, your property. Yeah. Your liberties. That's a different world there. So right. we can talk about that. Another time. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Anything else? Yeah. Just send us off then. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, a lot of information about collection information statements, nitty gritty, like Carrie said, but we are here to help standing ready. If anybody has questions or comments or needs any additional assistance, let us know. We can always be reached at brysonlawfirm.com. So uh, give us a shout and thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.